A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of, one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the, pig, that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. But when he came to himself, he said, I will go to my father, and I will say, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And before he got there, before the father heard the confession, he ran out and hugged his boy, who he loved the whole time. I stepped up into the pulpit and found notes from a previous sermon. I think the title might have been Obstacles and Security. Did you preach this? No. And, and the first line of the sermon is, despite the flying cow, a love so sure. Man, I wish I'd heard that sermon. <laughs> despite the flying cow. got to be a good story. I want to talk about sin today. And I invite you to consider what I have to say about it. Some of y'all know that the Andy Griffith show is one of my favorite shows. It's very soothing to me. One of the great scenes that I remember from time to time is Barney is coming out of church. Barney Fife, the deputy, is coming out of church 
for some reason I can't quite recall, he doesn't listen to the sermon at all. But he comes to where everybody's in the enjoyed your sermon line at the back of the church and he says to the preacher, can't preach enough about sin, and walks out. I guess it's a good bet that the preacher will be preaching about sin. And if there is ever a day in the church year to preach about sin, this will be it on Ash Wednesday when we are invited to see ourselves as God sees us, <clears throat> broken, sinful, lazy, cowardly, silly, forgiven, <clears throat> redeemed, precious children of God. Before I moved to Alabama, I was a chaplain at Ole Miss. My experience there was that college students tended to stay away from ordained people in droves. <laughs> and so I had some time on my hand. A friend of mine worked at the local drug and alcohol rehabilitation center, and he told me that if I had some time, I could come out and hear the fifth step in the 12-step program. In the fourth step of that program, you make a fearless moral inventory and write down all the stuff that you've done that you're ashamed of. And then in the fifth step, you say it to somebody else. So I went out once or twice a week, <clears throat> heard two or three fifth steps every time I was there, and learned a lot. Learned a lot about the trouble we can get ourselves into. Learned a lot about the grace of God and what it means to be forgiven. At the end of one of those sessions, I was making my way to my car. A bunch of the guys sat out on a picnic table and sometimes they would speak to me. A lot of times they would just ignore me. But this one guy that I'd seen several times um, yelled out to me. He said, Preacher, you a preacher? wearing my collar. Yes. He said, I got a question, preacher. I went over and introduced myself and he said, they tell me that Jesus came to take away sin and death. But I know people still sin and people still die. So what's up with that? I don't remember what I said. I mumbled something and tried to sound like I knew what I was talking about. But I was so stunned by the question. The next time I went there, I went and found him and said, I have a good answer to your question now. Jesus came to take away the power of sin, which is shame, and the power of death, which is fear. power of death, being shame, can eat us up. When I was still in Mississippi, I worked at a summer camp for people with disabilities. It's something that I do here as well. 
I've learned a lot from those folks for a long, long time. There was a young man named Melvin who has cerebral palsy and lives in a wheelchair and has the best attitude toward living his life that I've ever seen. He has this joy that just comes up and leaks out of his eyes and mouth. Infectious. Every year we have a talent show there and Melvin's talent was to sing and dance in his wheelchair, wheelchair to James Brown. I feel good. And he would get me and the other priest to stand up and be his backup dancers. He introduced us as Melvin's brothers. One year we were the chain of fools. Chain, chain, chain. He met and fell in love with a young woman named Shannon, who also has cerebral palsy, also in a wheelchair. Very sweet. Very calm. She would um, gently fuss at Melvin when he got a little bit too energetic. And he would invite her to do things that she had no idea that she could do. It's a great couple. One year Melvin came and Shannon did not. I don't remember why Shannon couldn't, but it was a big heartbreaking moment to realize that she was not there. They didn't live in the same town. The only time they saw each other was when they came to summer camp. It was especially heartbreaking for Melvin because he had made her a pillow. He had good use of one hand and could hold something in another hand. He handmade this pillow. It was about this big. I think it is filled with um, ripped up newspapers. He did some embroidery on it. On one side it said Melvin, on the other side it said Shannon. And she was not there. And I lived then in the town near where Shannon lived. And so he asked me to take it to her house. I was so impressed with the workmanship and the hours and hours and hours it must have taken him to make this that I promised I would take it to her. And when camp ended, I put it in the back seat. And I said, oh, I need to remember to take that to Shannon in Columbus. And then I got busy. And then I forgot. And then after a while, I started worrying that it's been so long now, it would be kind of odd, and maybe I just won't think about this. I gave somebody a ride in the back seat and moved the pillow back into the trunk of my car and didn't really think about it anymore until the next summer. Now, I, I want to make clear, I don't have any good excuse for this. There was no reason that I could not have done this. I, I went to Columbus several times. I just did. The next summer, Shannon and Melvin both came to camp. And they were glad to see me. And I knew that I had let them down. I still had the pillow in the trunk of my car a year later. The first time I saw him, I said, I need to apologize so I can get this out of the way. But it was busy, and it didn't seem like a good time to bring it up. The whole week went by. I had plenty of chances to talk to Melvin or Shannon. And I was ashamed of myself 
for being lazy and disorganized and putting other things in front of a simple errand that would have conveyed a whole lot of love. They didn't mention it. We went through the whole week. We came to the end of the week and I said, I might just get away with this altogether. They have forgotten. There's no reason to bring it up now. But I just couldn't stand it. That my relationship with Shannon and Melvin would be impaired, lessened, smudged, darkened. So the last day of camp, I got them both together and gave Shannon the pillow and told him I'm so sorry that I didn't have any real good excuse for why I hadn't already done this. And apologized, and I told him I felt terrible about it. And Shannon said, we figured you just forgot. And Melvin said, I still love you, man. You're one of Melvin's brothers. I think the point of Lent is for us to take stock of those things that cause us shame, things that we didn't do that we should have done, or things that we did do that we shouldn't have done, words spoken in anger, words not spoken because we're too cowardly. Sin is when we distort our relationship with God by what we do or don't do. Sin is when we make a mess of things. And Lent is our chance to bring it back right. Lent is our chance to come to ourselves and recognize that we are not who God made us to be. That we've fallen short again. And now hear the invitation to the observance of a holy Lent to put those things out of the way. To come back to our Father who dresses us in the finest robe and puts a ring on our, fing on our fingers. We're sort of geared up toward getting away with things when we can. But that's not enough. It's not enough to get away with things. The great meaning of our life is in the relationships with which we have with each other and with our Lord. And when we allow them to be distorted, smudged, diminished, darkened, corrupted. We need to receive the invitation to do something about it. They tell me that Jesus came to take away sin and death, but people still sin, and people still die.
because of our faith in Jesus, because of the grace of the Holy Spirit of God, because we are God's children no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. We do not need to live our lives in shame. We do not need to live our lives in fear. We are children of the King and invited to love, to accept mercy, to serve Jesus Christ as his stewards of our lives and his church. Thanks be to God. Amen.